generation dairy farmer, milking cows and making cheese on my small farm in Wisconsin. And I'm Matt Kinzera, and I know next to nothing about farming, but I'm on this food and farming adventure. Gather with us around the farm table. Matt, we finally reached December. Christmas is upon us, and I love this time of the year. Yes, Christmas is a really special season. It's something I think we all look forward to. It kind of snuck up on us this year, but that seems to happen every year, I guess. Well, I think it doesn't really feel too Christmassy because we don't have four feet of snow to plow through. You know what I mean? It still seems so nice out. That's true. And unfortunately, Christmas is one of the few times of the year that I actually want snow, but it's not looking good this year, is it? Hey, I don't mind it. Tell me about some of your memories growing up when you were a kid on Christmas. Well, sure. I think everybody has some special Christmas memories from growing up. And Mine really revolved around the fact that I grew up in a good old Catholic family. And if you're Catholic, there's a lot of negatives to growing up Catholic. (laughs) But one of the positives is we did something called Midnight Mass every Christmas. And it's basically what it sounds like. It's a church service at midnight at Christmas. So we would stay up even when we were young kids. We would stay up really late and then go to church at midnight. Dad sang in the choir, so we always had to get there about half an hour early and we'd enjoy this beautiful midnight mass and then we would come home and we would have grasshoppers which i'm not sure if you know what those are that's like a little bit of a boozy drink is that right it is a little bit of a boozy drink so it's (laughs) an ice cream drink with cream de mint and cream de cocoa is one of the few times of the year that we got something with a little bit of alcohol in it it's perfect for getting your kids to sleep through santa right it exactly i think that was probably the reason that they chose that drink was because they thought we got to get these kids to bed and then of course finally at two in the morning we would go to sleep and wake up at six in the morning the next day and open presents and I never thought boy why do mom and dad look so tired I mean they must have been just so (laughs) worn out but I never noticed it not a single time how about you did you have any special Christmas traditions well I grew up as a dairy farmer's kid so we never got to open presents until after my dad was done doing the morning chores which meant we'd oftentimes run out and help him finish so that we could get back inside and open up our gifts but it was really the night before Christmas when my brothers and I kicked into action because traditionally a lot of kids will set out milk and cookies for Santa and we were never concerned at all about Santa getting any treats. We were more concerned about his reindeer. So it was the one night where we would take our sled, regardless if we had snow or not, go out to the hay barn and put some really beautiful alfalfa flakes into our sled and then pull it out into behind the house by the pasture. And so we could put the alfalfa out for the reindeer so that when they came and landed, they could have a little bit of a snack. And that was always our fun thing. That is really fancy because I would always just put out carrots for the reindeer. We never had fancy alfalfa. When they came to my house, it was carrots. So you did put something. That's so nice to hear. I'm glad that you're an animal lover too. Yes, we did. And now that I'm a father as well, when my kids were young, which they're not anymore, they also would put carrots out for the reindeer because I guess I thought that's just what reindeer liked. And then what we would do is... (laughs) 
<laughs> we would actually find ways to like make little hoof prints and things like on the front porch and stuff to try to really make it seem like the reindeer were there. And then of course we had to take bites out of all the carrots and the oh cookies. <laughs> I mean, we were a <laughs> That's little, really good parenting. Yeah, a little over the top, a <laughs> little over the top, but they loved it. Well, on today's episode, we have a little treat for everybody. We have a really a wonderful storyteller named Jerry Apps. Jerry was born and raised on a farm here in Wisconsin. He's been a professor at the University of Madison, and he's authored more than 35 books. A lot of those having to do with farming and the rural history of Wisconsin. And I've been lucky enough to meet him a few times at different events here and there. And his voice is just like amazing. And it will make you go into like sort of a trance. It's kind of like being able to just curl up by the fireplace with like your great grandfather and listen to all these stories of the past. Yeah, Jerry Apps is really spectacular. It was so wonderful to meet him virtually. And I've got to let you know, Inga, that the day, the morning when we were interviewing Jerry Apps, I actually took a picture of my computer screen and sent it to my mother because Inga Witcher and Jerry Apps are absolute royalty <laughs> in the Kinzera household. I literally, right at this moment next to my bed is a Jerry Apps book that my mother bought for me. You are probably the two people that have been talked about more in my household around the holidays especially than anybody else in the entire world so what a special treat for me well now that i know that you're taking screenshots i'm gonna have to start like brushing my hair before we go on these zoom interviews <laughs> that's not fair <laughs> i only sent it to my mother so it's totally fine <laughs> well i hope that you'll enjoy this beautiful wintry christmas talk with author and rural historian jerry apps I was born in the middle of the, of the Depression, uh, and so my memories go back to about, oh, 1936 or so, 37. I started uh, school in, uh, in 1939, but on the, uh, the home farm during the, uh, those Depression years and on through World War II, as we look back at it today, uh, a rather uh, rustic, primitive situation. Uh, we had no electricity. We had no indoor plumbing. We heated our house with uh, wood stoves. We milked cows by hand. Uh, I attended a one-room uh, country school a mile away from the home farm. And uh, we walked, uh, of course, there uh, back and forth every day. So it was, uh, uh, it was uh, what it was. And, and, and I, at the time, uh, didn't know any different because all of our neighbors uh, experienced uh, such, essentially the same thing. Uh, even the one-room country school uh, that I, when I began attending in 1939, uh, it had no electricity, uh, and it had uh, no indoor, it never did have indoor plumbing, and it uh, was heated with a big old wood stove. Uh, uh, so that, that's a little bit of, of, of what my uh, background was. The, the, the home farm, uh, for those who uh, uh, might be interested, was about four and a half miles west of the little village of Wild Rose in uh, Washera County. And for those who, who are not aware, with, uh, aware of that uh, area, it's about uh, 45 miles south of uh, uh, Stevens Point and about that many miles uh, west of Oshkosh. 
And as some people at the time uh, who were from Milwaukee or uh, Chicago or places like that uh, defined our area as the middle of nowhere, which it probably was. <laughs> but we didn't know that. So I thought it was wonderful, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Uh, let's just start with a uh, winter morning, let's say it's in January, and it's uh, probably 20 below zero or maybe 30 below zero. It, was really, it really got cold in those days. And I slept in an upstairs bedroom that was unheated except for the stovepipe that came from the stove in the dining room below. And the stove would go out about uh, midnight and a great cold wave would move over the house to the point where downstairs the water pail, uh, of course we had no indoor plumbing, the water pail had ice on it to give you some sense of how cold it was. And of course we, we pulled on long underwear in October and took it off in April. Well, we did take it off on occasion along the way, but some people thought that's what we had done. And I think some of the old farmers did just that. Up in the morning, grabbed up all my clothes, run down the cold stairway. And by that time, my dad had started the stove in the dining room. And I would gather my stuff up by the stove and put on my clothes. And it was at that time that I discovered the meaning of what average meant. The front of me was toasty warm. The back of me was freezing. On the average, I was comfortable. I then, <laughs> I then would go into the kitchen where my dad had started the kitchen stove, and I would gather up my lantern. My dad had a lantern. I had a lantern. And I would take the lantern, pull on all my clothes, my gosh, everything I could find, and gather myself together and, and run out to the barn. Now, mind you, we're 30 below zero. It is colder than anything in the house. My gosh, the tea kettle on the stove. And if you've ever seen a cold room with a hot tea kettle on the stove, it rattles. It jumps around. It's just kind of interesting. Anyway, I'm out to barn. I pull the barn door open, and we had probably, oh, 12, 15 cows. Average-sized dairy herd in those days when everybody was milking cows by hand. I would pull open the barn door, and there was that wonderful smell of the mixture of fresh milk, because my dad was already out there milking, and alfalfa hay, and of course, cow manure, all of that mixed together. And the barn was the warmest place on the farm. And I would gather myself up, and I'd grab my three-legged stool, milk stool, 16-quart pail, and sit under one of these big Holsteins. And I would grab the spigots, and I have never forgotten the sound of zing, 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 as the milk struck the bottom of the pail, and that wonderful smell of fresh milk that would come up and engulf me. And this old Holstein cow, she would look around, and she would, I think she was saying, good morning, Jerry, good to see you. <laughs> I'm half asleep, <laughs> but I'm milking away, and it's, it's quiet. Oh, it's so quiet in the barn. The only sound is the rustling of the stanchions and maybe a little blatting from a calf that's looking for something to drink in the morning. And the cats, we had barn cats, 10, 12 barn cats. They were not allowed in the house. They were not pets. 
They had one purpose in life, to take care of the mice and the rats in the barn. And the cats would gather behind us when we were milking. And I would squirt a little milk in the direction of the cats. And they had the uncanny ability to sort of stand up on their hind legs, open their mouth, and catch a squirt of milk right in their mouth. I mean, these were circus cats. I did not realize it at the time. These cats were phenomenal in their ability to capture a squirt of milk that I would squirt in their direction. And I would always smile when that would happen. Then it was to the house for breakfast and a great big breakfast, usually pancakes, maybe some bacon, uh, and change my clothes a little bit, and then I'm off to school. And can you imagine now, here's 20 kids in school, all doing the same thing, and the smell of barn must have been in that schoolhouse like you couldn't imagine, and we didn't know it, because that was how it was. And if you had walked in, if you were a city person walking in, you say, oh my God, how can you stand it in here? We didn't know any different because there was a mixture of cow smell and oak smoke from the wood stove. And on those cold days in winter, oh my gosh, the wood stove in the back of the schoolhouse, there were no storm windows on the school. Uh, it could not begin to heat the front of the school. So the teacher would gather all, the one teacher, of course, in eight, all eight grades in one room, she would gather us all around the stove. And the first lessons were around the stove. And if it, was if it was a really cold day, like it might be 40 below zero outside, and it's probably that cold in the school when she arrived in the morning to start the stove. But we had, remember, I, did, I said we had no electricity in the school, but we had a wind-up record player, a Victrola. And she would put on the Victrola a record, great big old 78 RPM record, of John Philip Sousa marches. And we would march around the school. I mean, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. We're marching up and around the, the desk, back and forth. She was trying to warm us up enough so we could learn something as I think back on what she was doing. These things sound so silly today, so primitive, so unusual but they represent a generation who was doing the same thing in the upper midwest where winter where winter was supreme where winter defined our lives for several months where winter throughout the year defined our lives because everything we did on the farm almost everything was in preparation for winter and winter started in November usually, and it carried on till April. That was not unusual at all. The preparation for Christmas really began the Monday after Thanksgiving, when the teacher looked over all these little books she had of skits and plays and all that kind of stuff. And she was figuring out what the Christmas program was going to be. The Christmas program at the country school was the cultural, quote unquote, cultural event in the community. Everybody, whether you had kids in school or not, came to the Christmas program. And so we practiced. In fact, I must say, sometimes didn't happen in our school, I don't think. Sometimes a teacher's contract was not renewed if her program was insufficient. 
So the teacher worked very hard on making it work. And now I'm in first grade and I'm five years old. I just had just turned five when my mother decided I should go to school because I have twin brothers and she had all she could do to take care of them. Sent me off to school. Now I'm five years old, a little bit of a guy. And the teacher says to me, she says, Jerry, one of the things I want you to do, and this was common, one of the things first graders do is you welcome people to the Christmas program. And I will give you your line to uh, memorize, and you can practice it. And I said to, to Miss Piosky, that was the name of the teacher, old, old woman, she was 18, uh, she, which was not uncommon. I, I said, Miss Piosky, I don't think I want to do that. I was a very shy, still am, very shy little kid. If somebody would drive into our yard, I would run out in the woods and hide. I don't want to talk to anybody. So I said to Miss Piosky, I don't want to do that. I would be scared to death. I just don't want to talk to people. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. And she said, well, it's something you're going to have to do. And that night I went home and I said to my mother, guess what? Miss Piosky wants me to say my piece. That's how it was called. She wants me to say my piece at the, at the Christmas program. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to people. I am afraid of people. And my mother said, if Miss Piosky says you're going to do it, you're going to do it. No hope there. And now the Christmas program rolls around. And Miss Piosky, along the way, she knows I'm fretting. She knows I'm nervous. Everybody else is practicing, and I'm fretting because I've got to do this thing at the beginning of the program with all these people, the aunts and the uncles and the cousins and the neighbors, and everybody is sitting out there, and they're watching for me to screw up. I know that's what they're waiting for me to do. And so I'm scared to death. And Miss Piosky says to me, she says, Jerry, I've got a secret weapon for you. Oh, and what is that? She says, well... Let me share it with you. And she whispered it in my ear. And I thought, whoa, maybe that is the answer. And now, the night of the Christmas program. And I have this tremendously long and complicated introduction. I would like to welcome you to our annual Christmas program. That was it. That's what I had to memorize. And I'm standing up there with a new pair of bib overalls. We got two new pairs of bib overalls during the year, once when school started, once before the Christmas program. And I'm standing up there, and she said, previously she said, in addition to the secret, you can use and you must use your outdoor voice. We were forbidden to ever use an outdoor voice inside except, except at the Christmas program. And now I'm up on a stage, and I'm still scared to death. And she said, now stand up there, stand up straight, put your shoulders back. And here's the secret. She said, when you begin to speak, look at the damper on the stove. And people will think you're looking right at them, and you are not. You're looking past them, but they, they won't know the difference. And so I did my thing. I'd like to welcome all of you to the Christmas program. Everybody clapped, for heaven's sake. My goodness, I had succeeded. I am now a public speaker <laughs> at age five. One more Christmas program story, then I'll bring you back home to what happened at home. We always did the nativity scene. We always did the nativity scene. And on the stage was a uh, sawbuck with straw in it, 
and and a naked doll that's with baby Jesus, and and then the one of the boys would wore his dad's bathrobe, which was too big for him. He was on the stage. He was Joseph, and Mary she had a sheet wrapped around her and a dish towel over her head, and and that was Mary. And the teacher is is playing the piano away in the manger. And she had told us ahead of time, there will be no snickering. There will be no grabbing each other in the ribs when the nativity scene is on. This is a sacred event. And she begins to play away in the manger. And everybody is watching, the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and the neighbors. And she's playing on the piano. And little did we know, we should have known, there was a mouse nest in the piano. And when she began playing, a, a mouse crawled up and stuck its little head out from the top of the piano. Well, well, can you imagine the reaction from all the kids? My friend Jim sat next to me. I gave him a big poke and he goes, oh, oh, oh. the teacher's neck is getting red. I see she's just upset beyond belief. The mouse crawls down the piano and crawls up on the stage. I mean, this is the most non-religious mouse you could ever imagine. It is destroying the sacred event. And by this time, the teacher is laughing as well, and the entire, the entire audience is just hooting. I mean, it was one of the highlights of any Christmas program that was ever produced for years. People talked about the mouse on the stage that a school board member with a broom skitched the thing out the door with to the screams of the girls and the babies and it was total disruption. And when the mouse was out of the door, the teacher returned to the piano and Joseph and Mary took their places and we resumed that sacred event with a way of the manger being played. I don't know what happened to the mouse, probably poor critter probably froze to death, but he had been the star of the show. All right, let's go home now and go ahead to a few days before Christmas Eve. My dad and my brothers and I would go out to the little pine plantation we had west, we had planted west of the buildings. And we picked out what would be a suitable Christmas tree, we thought, and brought it home, set it up. Of course, we had no lights because we didn't have electricity. And we, we decorated it with some bulbs and it looked pretty nice. We wondered, my brothers and I wondered where the presents were. We knew my mother had ordered presents from the Sears Roebuck catalog because that's where we got all the Christmas presents in those days. And we were allowed two presents each, one toy and one piece of clothing. And I had ordered a book, can you imagine that? And, and a sweater. Okay, it's Christmas Eve. One of the traditions was to have oyster stew. And my grandparents had, and great-grandparents, everybody were German, all had oyster stew down through the years. So we had a big pot of oyster stew. And then we're out to the barn and, and milking and back in. Still, no presents under the tree. Where are the presents? <clears throat> we wake up the next morning, and the presents are under the tree. Oh, my gosh. Come to find out, 
my mother had hidden the presents in the icebox because the icebox, of course, wasn't used in the wintertime. It was a wonderful place to, to hide the presents, so they were all in the icebox. We could not open the presents until the cows were milked. So it's out to the barn, milk the cows, do the barn chores, come back in, and now we've got the, we can open, the, have breakfast, and then we open the presents. And I found a neat little book. And my brother Donald, my brother Donald was always interested in things unusual. And he had asked for what was called a crow shoot. And that was a little pop gun that, with corks. And he, there were little fake crows on a fence. And if you hit them with the cork, they'd tip over. And so my, we were all getting in the dining room, and the, my dad is sitting by the, by the wood-burning stove, reading the paper on this is Christmas morning now, smoking a cigarette. And Donald is shooting at this, his crows, uh, and he got tired of shooting at his crows. And he looks over at my dad smoking a cigarette, and whatever possessed him to do this, I will never know. But he points this little gun at my dad and goes, Bloop. And he knocked a cigarette right out of his mouth. Well, I tell you, his brother, Daryl, his twin brother and I thought, oh, this has got to be the worst possible punishment you ever could imagine. We couldn't wait to see what it was. And I could see my little brother Donald was wondering, maybe this was not the best thing he should do. And my dad is looking around, and he finally finds the cigarette on the floor, and he puts it back in his mouth. He looks over at my brother Donald, and he says... That was a pretty good shot. That's all there was to it. I mean, holy moly, good thing it was Christmas or he would have been punished beyond belief. Inga, that was such a special treat. You were so right about his voice. That has to be the absolute best storytelling voice I've ever heard in my life. And when he's telling these stories, I felt like I was there on the farm with him. It was so special. Isn't it amazing to just hear the difference in his life growing up? And then you think about our generation and all the things that we had, like indoor plumbing and heat. And we take for granted all of these things. Yes, it is amazing because it's really not that long ago when he was growing up and not having all those luxuries that we have today. But what a special Christmas treat that we all got to experience just listening to his stories because they are so wonderful. Here's what I'm thinking. It's not too late to go out and get some last-minute Christmas gifts and a Jerry App book would be perfect. You know what I could picture, Inga? I could picture sitting next to a fire reading a Jerry Apps book with some Inga Witcher cheese next to me and maybe a glass of wine. That just sounds quite possibly like the best Christmas ever. The most Wisconsin Christmas ever. (laughs) (laughs) And where can you find Jerry's books? Well, you can find them on his website at jerryapps.com and you can find them at the University Press Bookstore. And then you can also find some PBS specials that he's done on PBS Wisconsin. And they're really, really wonderful to watch, especially this time of the year. He has one that's all about winter, and it's just perfect for a cozy Christmas Eve. And then where can I find some of that special cheese that we've all been hearing about? Oh, Matt, you're so nice. Well, come out to the farm when you get a chance. But until then, you can find us at fromagination.com, and it's free shipping to the Midwest. And you can find us on St. Isidore's Dairy on social media. That sounds 
perfect. I am so excited to have my cheese and to gift the cheese that I have for some of my family members. It's going to be a special Christmas. I can feel it. I can feel that the end of 2020 is going to be way better than all the rest of it. Well, speaking of cheese and Christmases and what we're up to, why don't you tell everybody about your other podcasts that you're doing? Sure. I have a number of different podcasts, but my specific podcast is called Jesus Never Ran, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And we interview all sorts of interesting people talking about matters of faith, but in probably a more unique way than you're used to hearing it. It's not something you'd hear at that Catholic Midnight Mass, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I tell you what, I really enjoy it, and oftentimes you're accompanying me in the bar when I got my headphones and I'm listening to your podcast. So thank you for being there with me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, Matt, I hope that you have a very merry holiday season and I hope you'll gather with us next time around the farm table. I'm your host, Inga Witcher. And I'm Matt Kinzera. If you enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share it with your friends. You can also review us and leave us five stars if you'd like. And if you're looking for some recipes and to connect with some of the farmers we talk to, find us at www.aroundthefarmtable.com and check out your local PBS station for television episodes of Around the Farm Table. <laughs>